Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Philip, shall we? We shall, Tim. Once again, it's just me and thee in the rugby dungeon on the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. Uh, JB didn't let us know, well, he didn't let me know that he wasn't going to be back on this day, Sunday, as we record in this podcast, the 11th of October, until about an hour ago, frankly. Yeah, it was uh, pretty late. I think he was still hoping to just kind of uh, hijack a flight and get over here, just yeah. abandon the wedding that he's at and get over to record. But uh, no such luck, um, which means as well, the theme tune for the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast uh, is on JB's tablet. Um, and we can't play it out because uh, he hasn't given us the password for it. So it's a marching band song. So I've just got us another marching band theme to uh, kick the podcast off. <laughs> Not the same one, then. Uh, I can't find the same one, but hands in, <laughs> pod on three. One, two, three. Pod. pod. Yeah, it's uh, Pharrell <laughs> Williams and Happy. There you go. Close enough. Close enough. Uh, well, thank you very much for downloading this, the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Uh, we don't take ourselves or the game too seriously. We just love rugby and we have loved, we are loving what is the best Rugby World Cup ever. And we've reached the quarterfinal stage now. The group pool matches are all done and dusted. We'll be giving our thoughts on the final round of pool games, some epic matches, some huge quarterfinal matchups. And, uh, and looking ahead as well as, well, definitely looking back and marvelling at what has been an amazing tournament. And it, do you know what? It's the bittersweet end of being England fans. Yes, it's sad that England aren't in the competition anymore for us as Englishmen, Phil, but what a competition this is. It has. You, you said it very early, that it has been the best Rugby World Cup ever. And I was a little bit sceptic at first, but it fully justified. It has been absolutely brilliant. And th- this weekend's games alone have oh, been absolutely superb. What, uh, what we've seen from day one to the very end is the, the, the lesser nations, the tier two teams particularly, providing so much entertainment and so much passion. And I suppose the passion and endeavour's always been there, but the skill has never been this close together. Definitely not. And I think a lot of it, we've said it a couple of times before, a lot of it has revolved around the set piece and the ability of the smaller teams to compete at the set piece. Therefore, they've got more of their own ball, they can get more field position, more territory. And they can be in the game. Uh, like Namibia and Argentina, there is a huge golfing class like in, yeah. in the rankings. Uh, the differences between the, the fully professional Argentinian players and the Namibians. But they scored some brilliant tries today. It was a really, really good, exciting game to watch. So you can get in touch with us by tweeting to at Rugby Podcast. Um, we have got an email address as well. well I'm just, I need to set up a, a general one, but at the moment it's tim at eggchasers.com. Uh, tim at eggchasers.com. If you're on Twitter, at Rugby Podcast, we love hearing your thoughts about stuff. Uh, and you can find us on the Acast app or listen on iTunes. And if you subscribe there on iTunes, then we'll make sure every episode gets delivered straight to you because we're doing more than one episode a week on the Rugby World Cup, or we have been. And we've got the introduction as well of the Pro 12 and the Aviva Premiership uh, this week. So we'll be um, we'll be previewing those and, and looking back over those after next weekend. But 
I suppose we should just say well done to all the teams that have made the quarterfinal. Valiant effort, by the way, by Scotland. Uh, but they finally succumbed and progressed through to the knockout stages of a major <laughs> tournament. Well done to Scotland. We'll get to Scotland in a bit. Also, well done to Wales, despite their defeat to Australia. Plenty to talk about there. Yeah. And um, and well done, Ireland. And I, that's where I want to start, Phil, because that's freshest in the mind. What a brave effort by uh, the, the boys in green. It was incredible. There's so many talking points from that game. Um, at the start, it was very close. Both teams quite measured initially. Uh, a few kicks exchanged in the first half and neither team really got the other hand. And then the injuries, like yeah. the, the tackling from France was brutal. The tackling from both teams was brutal, but Pickamalls and Sean O'Brien in particular, the big hits that both of those boys yeah. put, put in. And then to lose, you talk about leaders and we've, we've been speaking about leaders with England. Or lack of. Yes, but if you look at Ireland, the forwards, the, the leader is Paul O'Connell, but he yeah. leads the forwards and yeah. Sexton leads the backs. And to lose both of those and then lose Peter Omani and be so dominant in the second half because Ireland were really, really on top. I mean, if you look at the possession and territory, it's 70-30 in Ireland's favour. Wow. It's massive. And they really controlled that game, in this, particularly in the second half, and suffocated France. And the tries... They were very well taken. I mean, the the finish of uh, Rob Carney to identify Michelak, and it, it wasn't the first time that they identified Michelak as a weak link. By by the way, by the way, Rob Carney is a ridiculously handsome chap, isn't he? <laughs> as well as well as being an international. And um, you know what? If you were picking a Lions team today, you'd have him at fullback for me. On that performance, yes, I think Mike Brown. Well, I think would... on, on his performances, yeah, well, in yeah. in the last year, probably. I think Mike Brown. I think all of the home nations yeah. push him close, but yeah, he's in great form. But he's a great Tom... decision maker. Yeah, great decision maker. Great under the high ball. He's got a good boot on him. Good defensively. Always makes yards. But Tommy Bowen and um, Robbie Henshaw. I thought oh, both of those massive. were brilliant cutting lines. Yeah, uh, and the. I said last week, I'm sure that Joe Schmidt has got a game plan to beat France. And they used several things, but one of them was identifying Michelak as a weak link in the defensive line and having runners, both the big forward runners and the quicker guys like Henshaw, like Bo, like the Carney brothers. Yeah, the number of the number of times first Henshaw took it, they missed Madigan, or, as it turned out, or Sexton, and just hit Henshaw up first receiver, running straight at Michelak. I mean, yes. it's not it's not difficult, is it? That's just smart coaching. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I was really, really impressed by the, the whole way that Ireland played. Um, their set piece was very good line-outs and scrums, very good. Their work at the breakdown, we said it before, but it was exceptional because France, yeah. were, they were trying to slow the ball down, particularly Eddie Benarous and Dusatois were really trying to slow the ball down. Yeah, there was a funny message about uh, Benarous and that. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to find it here on Twitter, at Rugby Podcast. Yeah, it was a real crash ball on Twitter said, I'm pretty sure that that French loose head is better at the breakdown than the entire English back row. <laughs> and it's, it's it's hard to argue on the on that performance. Yeah, but he didn't. It's testament to both him and Ireland, um, him for getting in the position, but Ireland for not letting him, him steal the ball. Yeah, it was really impressive. Uh, Ross Petty uh, eighty tweeted to us at Rugby Podcast. Uh, here's a fact for you, and we know how much Phil loves a fact, and I think he might have <laughs> outfacted our fact man 
He said Ireland's turnovers conceded in the last three games versus France, four, seven, eight. France's turnovers conceded in their last three games versus Ireland, 18, 18 and 18. Wow. That's, That's a massive amount of, of ball to give away to your opposition. Yes, yeah. You can't win games when you when that when that stat exists. No, but it shows the potency of Omani, O'Brien and um, Rory Best as well. Rory Best at the breakdown is yeah. very very good. Well, well let's talk about um because I I mean we'll get the news probably by the time you're listening to the podcast there may already be a story saying it but Thanks to the slow motion action replay of Paul O'Connell's hamstring pinging, you, you saw it ping. I, th- I think he's done for the World Cup. It's Johnny Sexton being a groin injury—that's that's really doubtful for, uh, for, for. You can't really run with a with a dodgy groin, and you can't kick if you're a, you if you're a ten. You certainly can't kick. Um, it depends on the scale. Like, O'Connell's did look bad, um, but they've got Hendo who came in very well he pushed Toner yeah. very close to starting anyway it is from a leadership point point of view huge but they can cover Sexton depending on the the grade of it whether it's kind of a, a, a tweak or a tear yeah by the way if there's one ruptured. if there's one person that knows what he's talking about with injuries <laughs> it's Phil you tend to things like this tend to get graded one two and three yeah. with three being major and eight weeks plus out and one being a couple of weeks, so we'll see on the news next mm. week. It looks unlikely that he'll be playing uh, against Argentina. Yeah, but there's always a chance. And then Omani as well. I know is a big blow. I know, but Chris Henry came on and did a job. In fact, the whole, the whole squad show, they've showed they've got a yeah. good squad. And this is exactly what England didn't have. I was, there you go. I've said the England word. I know we have <laughs> we have, we have a lot of listeners uh, in Ireland who. Uh, lambasted us for, for being England focused well me and Phil are Englishmen the one thing England didn't have is when one person went out you didn't have someone who could just slot straight into that system Yeah. so if Jonathan Joseph goes out you completely re- reinvent the whole back line yes. uh, with Ireland it feels like one goes out one comes in Yes. Um, especially when you've got guys like Luke Fitzgerald who can play just about every anywhere. position Keith Earls as well yeah. he's a very good utility player uh, you can play right across the outside backs um, the one exception to that I would say is probably uh, Sexton, yeah. who there is a bit of a drop off from Madigan, and he is a different type of player. But he did very well in a high pressure situation. I, I was really impressed with the way that Madigan carried himself. You know, obviously, obvious, it's obvious to say it, but someone that they may well be without, and if so, <laughs> they are going to miss badly. Um, we, I mean, it must have been you that tweeted this one out, then Phil. Uh, the the vine. Phil tweeted out a little vine video of Sean O'Brien's. I mean, it was it was a good little jab to the midriff. <laughs> good jab to the midriff but pa- uh, he he punched Pascal Pape in an off the ball incident which the referee and assistant referees and TMO didn't spot but will be cited surely and will probably mean that Sean O'Brien misses at least the Argentina game I would expect so I'd fully expect him to although there is knowing Sean O'Brien and knowing what a powerful individual he is I mean if he'd actually connected with Pascal Papi, <laughs> I mean, there's no real evidence that he actually hit him because if he hit him, he would have stayed here. <laughs> so I'm suggesting this just looks like he threw a punch, but there was actually no connection there. Right. So <laughs> In Sean yeah. O'Brien's defence. In Sean O'Brien's defence, if he'd have actually connected, then Pascal Papi wouldn't have played another game in this Rugby World Cup. Yeah, uh, or ever, perhaps. Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, I mean, it, it'll be cruel if they're short if they don't have O'Brien, Sexton, and O'Connell. Yeah, um, and because 
if you take Old Marnie out of the situation, uh, Chris Henry can come in very well. Um, and you can push Sean O'Brien to six or Henry to six, and, and the two of them can combine really well. If you're missing both Omani and uh, Sean O'Brien, it is a slightly different situation. There are there's a few young guys they can bring in, but not with the the experience of those boys. I'm going to mention something because obviously JB's not here at the moment, uh, but something happened between the last podcast and this one that JB would have loved to have gloated about, and I just think it's my duty that I've got to mention it. JB on the last podcast gave us a little message from Sorrento in Italy where he was just about to go and have a seafood linguine and he said what he would do if he was at the RFU and in charge of things and coming up with a new setup for England and he said he would get Steve Diamond in and me and Phil just, well, I just wrote it off as JB being JB <laughs> trying to get a rise and then what happens, oh, the, de- the next day there's an article in the Telegraph by Austin Healy saying Steve Diamond should be yeah. in the New England setup. Either, well, either great minds think alike, or Austin Healy is doing exactly the same as JB and just trying to get a rise out of people. A bit of clickbait, perhaps. I'm not quite sure which one it is. Or Austin Healy listens to the podcast and 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 list, hangs on JB's every word. Every word. word. <laughs> finally, finally, he's found a like-minded individual <laughs> who he thinks is talking sense. <laughs> well, the two of them can uh, well can come up with more of that. JB um, will be back on the next podcast to come up with more ridiculous ideas um, that he and J- that he and Austin Healy might agree with. <laughs> um, so Ireland face Argentina um, and we'll, we'll do a, a full look ahead um, on, on the next podcast. But it's easy to sort of say, oh yeah, we've avoided New Zealand, a team that Ireland have never beaten and go, yeah, well, brilliant, we've avoided that, that's great. You've now got Argentina. I mean, I, I don't think any Northern Hemisphere team would look forward to playing Argentina right now. Absolutely not. I mean... It seems stupid to say it is the quarterfinals of, of the World Cup. It is oh, should be the best eight teams in the world. Um, Argentina are a quality, quality outfit. I've been saying it all tournament. I've been saying it for the rugby mm. championship. Yeah. When they they comfortably beat South Africa in South Africa, um, they have got a very, very good pack, very good set piece, yeah. experienced operators. And their back line, particularly their back three, are electric, elusive runners. They they can they can beat pretty much anyone on their day, and they they pushed New Zealand very close in the opening fixture, um, and <laughs> that did. that fixture versus Ireland, particularly if Ireland are missing the players that we yeah kind of expect them to be missing, it, that is uh, a coin toss situation for it me. Really it's, is. It could go either way. Uh, Josh twenty nine Harris was watching Argentina play in their final pool game. And just you just invented a hashtag hot potato rugby. <laughs> it was a bit like that watching Argentina, wasn't it? They just came to play. Yeah, and so did Namibia. Yeah, they both wanted to play rugby. Namibia's back three looked awesome. They got some real good backs. Their, their ten was controlling things nicely. The two two big centres and their wingers and, and uh, Chrysanthemum and both are. Uh, they're 15, uh, dangerous runners. So yeah. that, that was really, really enjoyable. So I spent the weekend in the Rugby World Cup fan zone in Manchester. I was hosting it there. And despite the fact England were out and England's game was in Manchester at the Manchester City Stadium, um, it was absolutely rammed. It was packed. What it did mean, though, is I saw even more of the uh, the advert in ins and outs from the ITV coverage. And <laughs> I'm not going to miss Paloma Faith doing World in Union. <laughs> That's horrible. I know it's. Yeah. Uh, uh, not, uh, can they 
Can they not just get something else? Can they not go back to the original? Yeah, I know. That was much better. I know it was. And also, uh, the number of Jack Whitehall adverts is, uh, ta- <laughs> has tapered off recently. So that's a good thing as well. That's good news. In, uh, now, now, Tim, in, yeah. the, in the fan zone, I read. I didn't go. I couldn't make it because I was at the grand final. Yeah. Uh, the Super League, Rugby League grand final. What a great game that was as well. It was. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could talk about that a little bit later. There were loads of Leeds and Wigan fans in the fan zone during yeah, the day. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, is it true that there was a. Uh, Sam Burgess speed test as part of the. Where did you hear that? It, it was on a tweet. It was on a, I think, yeah. a Can- Canterbury tweet. Yeah. Isn't that like having an Adam Jones kicking school or a <laughs> D- Dylan Hartley referee course? <laughs> what, are you suggesting Sam Burgess isn't quick? Well, he's. As number sixes go, I think he's pretty pretty rapid. He's not Tom Croft, but yeah. he's, he's a, an athletic number six. Yeah. He's not in the same league as, say, Anthony Watson or uh, Johnny May, no, someone like that. You've got a point there. So, yeah, uh, Canterbury, had their, their, they have got their little hashtag and their mantra, committed to rugby, and they and on one side of their little Canterbury hub, they had committed to strength, and they had uh, little videos and stuff with Jeff Parling, which, again, you were going to go, if you were going to pick someone with strength, you might have gone for a Romanian front rower. <laughs> one r- of the Georgian boys. Rather than Jeff Parling, but, you know, that's fine. And then on the other side, yeah, it was committed to speed and it was Sam Burgess. You had to do this little speed agility assault course thing and then hit stop on the timer and try and beat Sam Burgess this time. Oh, really? Which is is that, that to make it competitive for the kind of average Joe? Maybe that's what it is. It's, I think it was just an excuse to have a massive, big, li- bigger than life-size picture of Sam Burgess in skin-tight Canterbury clobber. <laughs> oh, I bet that looked was, good. It did look very good. <laughs> I'll give you that. No, it was it was good in the fan zone. Um, You, you know what? I heard a good joke over the weekend because lots of people were coming up to me and, and all the Irish, Scotland and Welsh fans did like rubbing it in a little bit. And that's fine, <laughs> I can take that. Got a yeah. lot of people coming up going they enjoyed the podcast, which was very nice. Excellent. Um, and they said to say hello to you and to JB. Hello, um, guys. Uh, so one, someone came up and I wrote this one down because I said I'll mention this on the podcast. So this guy was called Phil. He was from Merthyr. And uh, he came up and he said, and he said it like it was a proper story. He said, um, I've, I've just found um, an England shirt in a carrier bag on the side of um, the fan zone right down there. And I thought he was handing it in like lost property. He said, I can't believe it got thrown away just like that. Those bags are worth 5p now. <laughs> hey. uh, very good. Very good. <laughs> well, let's go from Phil in Merthyr. He was interested in Wales um, and their, well, it was defeat to Australia in the end. But it was interesting because there were loads of Wales fans in the fan zone and they were, they, as soon as the full-time whistle started, they just started on with the, Yay, we're through! <laughs> um, and they, uh, yeah, they're through, and they've got South Africa in the quarterfinals. Australia showed that they've got defence to go with that that attack, didn't they? <sighs> that defence, second half, they were down to 13 men, and Wales had, well, it was more than 10 minutes, uh, down to 14, then down to 13 men. More than 10 minutes camped inside Australia's 22, yep. most of it five metres from Australia's line, and the defence was incredible, heroic. Absolutely heroic. Partly, I do do feel it was a little bit helped by Wales seemingly seeming only to want to take route one. Yeah, when you when when you've got fifteen and they've got thirteen, logic would dictate that. Hold on a minute, if we hit up a couple of times and then go, yeah, we'll, it, we'll have space. It was kind of there was one or well, several phases of play, but one in particular where they had. A crash ball, they had a, a scrum on the right-hand side. They used Jamie Roberts as a crash ball, sucked a few defenders in, and then there was huge gaps. There was like a three-man overlap, 
And instead of going using hands, yep. they crashed George North in exactly the same play that they used to crash Jamie Robertson. Gatlin Ball. It, it just didn't feel like the best use of George North's talents when there's one defender on, and 30 yards worth of try line. I, but, but if, if, I was, if I was Welsh, I would have been frustrated with that. Um, I, I completely agree. Um, Sam Warburton, he had a Chris Robshaw moment, didn't he? Yeah, he had a few opportunities to, to kick sticks in in that phase. Um, I can understand why he didn't take him. I, I heard an interview with him today where he said, well, if you're against 14 men or 13 men, you'll back yourself to to actually get over the line. But that's kind of a, it's a similar argument to uh, Rob Shaw's, and they almost would have been better. Totally. Take take the points, reset. You're three points closer. You're within a score, and go again. And yeah, it did feel like he made, and obviously very easy to say with hindsight, but it felt like he made the wrong decision. Yeah, easy to say with hindsight, like you say. Um, Mike Tyndall in was in the Rugby World Cup fan zone, so I had a chat with him, and he was saying he he thinks it's Australia's to lose. He was talking in those kind of terms, like they're the what he saw, and you know, we can all watch rugby, but I think when you've won a World Cup, you probably ha- you probably look at it things in a in a slightly different way. And he said, just what I saw them do to England is something I've not seen from any other team in the World Cup. Yeah, um, but mind you, Wales's defence held held Australia out in the main, didn't they? It, it did. Yeah, Wales's defence was very good as well. Um, credit to them. The two most impressive things, I mean, the England the England game was a demonstration of how clinical Australia's attacking finish can be. Absolutely. The Wales game was a demonstration of the power of their scrum because they completely dismantled. Wales had strengthened their front row, yep. bringing in Paul James and um, Samson Lee, who are renowned as being good scrummaging props, and they got taken apart by that Australian front row. And the Australian defence, like we said, it was sensational. When we reflect back on this World Cup, I think we're going to look at the massive impact of coaching because I I wouldn't mind betting that, save for a couple of players who have something particularly magical there's a lot of similarity and actually you look at how well Namibia have have shown up and they've got Phil Jones, an experienced coach. You look at how well Romania stood up and how, how close they ran some teams, including Italy over the weekend and they've got Lynn Howes an experienced coach you look at Australia and how they've turned their scrum around to a, a weapon in one year, and they got Mario Ledesma, yep. one, one of the best scrummaging exponents in yeah. world rugby in the last twenty years, um, from his position of hooker with Argentina. Uh, Argentina and Toulouse. And, yeah, <laughs> you, you want pedigree from a front rower? Oh <laughs> my god, exactly. And I think I honestly think we're going to be. And Joe Schmidt, you know, all those Irish players went down and, and like you say you talked about Ireland's performance and they were shrewd and they were smart and they had a game plan and they slotted people in I just I wonder whether it's rather than players we're talking about we're actually talking about and hopefully the RFU take note the massive importance of experienced pedigree driven coaches and how they squeeze that extra 5-10% out of players yes yeah I'd say it is looking more and more like Eddie, Eddie Jones with Japan Perfect example, Tim. There you go. Yeah. Uh, there's so many examples in this World Cup. Yeah. In the Australia-Wales game, yeah. so I, I was in Old Trafford, uh, supposed to be watching the Super League Grand Final, and I was the only man, obviously, watching the Australia-Wales game. And all the rugby league fans uh, that I was with kind of kept on popping their head in and saying, oh, it's 15-6, or 
it's 12-6. Looks like a rubbish game, that. I was thinking that... Someone said it on Twitter. I think Raw's mentioned oh, it on Twitter. I've got it. I've got it written down. He he said he uh, Rory, yeah, a bit an, uh, an Ulsterman and a regular listener to the podcast. He said, uh, tweeted to at Rugby Podcast. This game, referring to Wales Australia, is simultaneously what is so great about rugby union and also everything rugby league fans hate. Yes, yeah, because they they wouldn't understand that this absolutely sensational defense tactical game territory game. Uh, is so important and so good to watch, but watch. there's no tries, yeah. <laughs> not not a single try in the game. It was amazing. Who wants to watch kick and catch? <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of that. Yeah, a bit of that. Oh, by the way, at Old Trafford, and I thought this was a bit of a masterstroke from the organisers of the Super League. So they invited Stefan Armitage. Bearing in mind, England, England <laughs> 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 with all the talk about an out and out seven. Uh, and you had England playing at the Etihad Stadium, Man City's ground, uh, lim- you know, limply bowing out of the tournament. At Old Trafford, they'd invited Stefan Armitage to come and watch the <laughs> Super League Grand Final. So he was just about four miles away yeah. from from where England were playing. Well, that is, I didn't know that. I would have liked to uh, find him out and had a beer with him, get his opinion and then watch the Leeds-Wigan game, which in itself was, it was a really good game. Mm. It was... It's so important for Leeds. It was them trying to complete the, the treble in the season and also three of their uh, long-standing players. Including Kevin Sinfield, who's going to Rugby Union with Leeds Carnegie. With Leeds Carnegie. Uh, Yorkshire Carnegie. Yes, Yorkshire Carnegie. Uh, who's, there's another uh, signing for Yorkshire Carnegie this week. A, a chap I used to play with a lad called Ben Black, who uh, has propped at Sedgley Park for the past five years and has... I love it when players from lower leagues get get a little call up. Like there's a there's a lad at Sale Sharks who came to the fan zone as well. I say lad, he's 27, uh, but he was at Rosslyn Park last season, and he used to play rugby at school with Danny Cipriani. Danny Cipriani managed to get him a free trial, so he's been really? he's been doing pre-season with Sale for free, and he's got himself a, a full-time professional contract with Sale Sharks as a winger. Yeah, it's Nev Edwards, isn't it? Nev Edwards, yeah, I yeah. Love I've it. played against him a few times. Handy, handy back three player. Um, it, it will be interesting to see how he goes at, at sale and if he manages to get some game time. Um, um, but, sorry, going back to the rugby league, yeah. getting sidetracked. Yeah, Leeds had Sinfield, they had Jamie Peacock That's and it. Kylie Leuai, who between them have got more than a 1,000 appearances for Leeds. Wow. All three of them finishing their career at, at Leeds Rhinos um, and going for the, the treble. And the game was kind of back and forward, yo-yo, Wigan score first, then Leeds looked dominant, then second half, Wigan were really on top, went back into the lead, and Leeds stole it at the end, and it was it was just a great, great atmosphere, 70,000 fans in Old Trafford, and a really good game, good demonstration of what league can be, so I, I loved it, I really loved it. My eyes were simultaneously on the on the Etihad Stadium and very very briefly on, on England, I actually thought you got a glimpse into the future at that moment when it was... Ford, Slade, Joseph, Watson, Noel, Brown in your back line. You kind of, it was just exciting. It was just exciting and edge, on the edge of your seat kind of stuff. So, yeah. More of that. And, and a glimpse of the future with uh, Nicky to get a man of the match. Yeah. A, a deserved man of the match as well. I, yeah. I thought he was he was the best player. And I hope this is a lesson because what you hear it happen with football all the time when England inevitably get knocked out of a major tournament, and by the way, well done to uh, Wales and Northern Ireland on, on getting through to their football yes. uh, tournaments, um, but when England inevitably go out of a major tournament, 
there's always people on football phone-ins and on Twitter and everything going, just get rid of anyone uh, like over <laughs> 25. Get the youngsters in. Let's get all the youngsters in. And I think there's there's been similar kind of clash. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Remembering from England Rugby Union fans, but I think there's a perfect example of why that's just pointless. And that's the fact that Nick, that is, that's exactly what Stuart Lancaster did to Nick Easter four years ago. So yes. you won't be available for the Rugby World Cup. Um, so I'm not going to pick you now. And he scores a hat trick <laughs> for England at the Rugby World Cup. Yes. And he, he looked very, very good. He did. Uh, Wales, then they've lost another player. Um, maybe that's why JB's actually not here. He says he's in Sorrento, <laughs> but he's, he's actually in like pre-training camp <laughs> just being assessed he's in, he's in a cradle chamber <laughs> <laughs> being scanned by Warren Gatland normally to improve performance we put these guys in for two minutes at a time but JB you've got a long way to catch up <laughs> we're going to put you in here for two weeks and see what happens uh, yeah I reckon you might be right there but um, Liam Williams out is he done for the tournament I'm pretty, I think he's done for the tournament yeah <sighs> that's a big blow yeah he can cover all of the back three positions. He can allow George North to go to 13. Um, that is a big blow. It'll be uh, interesting to see what they do then, whether North goes back to the wing and they bring in Tyler Morgan or Hook to outside centre. Yeah, I suspect they'll do that. Is it finally time for Big Gav to get a call? Oh, come on, let's do it. <laughs> Big Gav. Big Gav. Get him in. Um, well, yeah, they've got South Africa, a pretty ominous opponent, and Wales got their work cut out, haven't they? They certainly have, Yeah. I think if it was any of the big three Southern Hemisphere teams that Wales had to play in the, the quarterfinals, they'd probably go for South Africa. They've beat them fairly recently. That's true. But I do still think South Africa have got an advantage given the number of injuries that Wales have. If it was a fully fit Wales squad, I'd say it's 50-50. As it is, it's probably slightly in South Africa's favour. Scotland! Yes, God, they made hard work of it. What a great game, though. Samoa, oh. Samoa, those boys came to play. They were players. It was brilliant. It's such a transformation from the oh, dreadful, kind of turgid performance, uh, error-ridden performance they had the previous week against Japan. They came came to actually play some rugby, which is what they do best, and they looked brilliant. They did. Um, and they, they, were, they were leading for most of the game, weren't they? It yep. was only, what, 20 minutes to go when... Uh, They've, Scotland finally kicked their way ahead and then the Laidlaw try, which Laidlaw, I think he scored 26 points. Yeah. He was superb, including that late try. Um, but it was a hell of a game. So well done, Scotland. I hope you enjoyed the Rugby World Cup. Um, we'll see you out of the Rugby World Cup after next weekend. <laughs> Scotland are looking... I mean, they, that wasn't their best game, um, but they've got they've got a good solid set piece. They've got some good dangerous runners in the forwards. 
I've said it before, they're, they're back three. Yeah. Seymour, Maitland and Hogg. Yeah, it's great. Are as good as virtually any team. And, Hogg- and Finn Russell and Laidlaw as halfbacks. Stuart Hogg doesn't look 24, 25. <laughs> he, lo- he looks like he's had a tough paper round. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, Finn and Finn Russell, again, just... Um, they've got. A, you're right, they've got a really exciting uh, back line and they've got a really decent set piece. And lo and behold, dare I say it, They've got a coach that's maybe got more out of them collectively than 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 they could. Who knows? There's a theme on this podcast. There is, Tim. There is a theme, isn't there? But uh, you know what? And I mean, and and Scotland, you've got one more week to gloat. So make the most of it. <laughs> gloat to every Englishman you can for the next week, because you're going no further in this Rugby World Cup, and that's all you'll have left to hang on to is the fact that England didn't even get to the quarterfinals. I can't. I can't see any other outcome. <sighs> I give Scotland maybe maybe one in twenty, maybe one in fifty of beating Australia. Yeah. The the only thing for Australia is potential injuries. Um, David Pocock maybe Israel Folau maybe. Is Hooper allowed back? Is he? Was uh, Hooper was just it was just a one match suspension. Yeah. Which, when you compare it to the uh, to Alagi, ludicrous. Oh. Five match, which that has been which downgraded. It's been downgraded, but it's still they still deem it to be an offence. Yeah, it's an absolute travesty. Yeah, it's a travesty that, that he's been banned of any any yeah. time, lost any time. The fact that he wasn't playing against Scotland is a travesty. He was just playing rugby. There's lots of people been saying that New Zealand are creaking, showing cracks just a little bit. I mean, that was a good game as well. Tonga, uh, yeah. The Tonga game. Oh, and- by the way, it's been pointed out, and uh, I must mention, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, they said, boys, can you explain why Steve Maffey for Tonga was wearing just one glove? <laughs> it's like Michael Jackson fashion. He's <laughs> straight off to the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to get nine holes in after the game. I think Dan Bigger should wear one glove because when because <laughs> when he's doing his uh, pre kick routine, he would look more like Michael Jackson. It would be really good. I like the tweet that we. Um, it wasn't actually tweeted to us, but we retweeted it about New Zealand. Um, let me get it up. Um, just while you're waiting with that one, I, I like this as a review for the podcast because during the World Cup, just like hopefully, there's lots of people finding rugby union for the first time as as fans or finding and rekindling their love of rugby union there's a lot of people finding the egg chasers rugby podcast and we're very grateful for it um and cracked writer on twitter is one of them said i've just found you great entertainment tim and phil are on the money and also good to hear garth crooks on mike three (laughs) (laughs) hello jb yeah the tweet on uh on uh friday night uh by sean wilson so this this was after a huge, huge attacking pressure by Tonga on the New Zealand line and the referee refused to give a penalty try. And Sean Wilson tweeted, referee gives the All Blacks a final warning. Next time, he'll have no choice other than to give them another final warning. Oh, I know. Which... <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, there sh- in my opinion, there could have been a couple of penalty tries. Uh, one thing as well, I don't know how this works, and Joe... Um, has tweeted to us at Rugby Podcast and said, how does it work with who's classed as the home team and the away team in quarterfinals? Will it be New Zealand against France because they are the first in the group? He says he doesn't want them in grey. Yeah, grey's not... It's, it's an ugly second kit they've got, isn't it? And France's white, uh, red away kit is beautiful. Yeah, that would be better, wouldn't it? That the would red. be better. Yeah, black and red. Yeah. I'd, I'd go for that. I don't actually know. For for the pool games, it's all a coin toss because England lost the coin toss against Fiji and we're in the away dressing room. 
Um, but I don't actually know. Mm. Um, um, Smithy has said Wayne Barnes must referee France v New Zealand in Cardiff next week. <laughs> I love that it's in the Millennium Stadium or the Principality Stadium, as it's now called. I yeah. love that it's in that. Be- yes. Because, I mean, New Zealand fans will be nervous, as you like. Thierry de Sartois will be there just as he was eight years ago. Yes, Is making it... 37 or 38 tackles, an international record. I mean, it's all over tackles. for New Zealand. It's, it's game over again. Enjoy the next week of gloating New Zealand because you're out of the tournament next week. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that statement, but... Um... No. Oh, it's the one that all neutral fans wanted to see again, wasn't it? Yeah, it's got so much history, the uh, New Zealand-France fixture, hasn't it? Yeah. But on New Zealand, um, they've lost a player. They've lost uh, Woodcock, who's now out for the tournament. He's been com- completely ruled out, um, which is a blow. He would he scored a try. He would have been there starting, yep. uh, starting loose head, even though he was creaking. The whole scrum was creaking got under the other that Franks. pressure. They've got the other Franks brother to come in there, haven't they? The, yeah. I, I'm not sure who was... They've got... Um, La, no, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. It's only a prop. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> not, not the ones that score the tries. Not the ones who clearly have a team barber and get their high and tight haircuts. <laughs> there's, there's a, I have to say, in the back lines in this World Cup, there's been some real proper um, manicured haircuts going on, like boy band haircuts, hasn't there? There's more than a few. The uh, I, I think the team that gets away with it best, they've got some of the most ridiculous haircuts, but they pull it off, is the Japan team. Oh yes, I, I think they. I think they can get away with it. In fact, what's going on with the Japan match? Because as we as we're recording this podcast, they're in their final game against uh, USA, uh, and it has just finished uh, a couple of minutes ago. USA eighteen, Japan twenty eight. So what? So yeah, we were talking New Zealand Tonga um, and Milner Scudder. We were talking about in the last podcast that we would kind of, we think we would put Milner Scudder with uh, Surveyor on the wing, and he kind of cemented his position in the team over Naholo. I would say so, yes, particularly with Naholo's. He had a great opportunity in the first half and dropped the ball with kind of a three-man overlap. And then Milner Scudder, uh, he only scored two, didn't he? But mm. set up a couple as well and just looked all round very good. Phil, you've you've selected a best team from the Tier 2 Nations at this Rugby World Cup. I have. Well, I want to hear it, and I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on it as we go through. And if you agree, disagree, think Phil's missed anyone, uh, get in touch with us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, tim at eggchasers.com if you want to email. Go on, Phil. Now, it's a real shame that JB isn't here, because he could have helped with some of the pronunciations of these uh, these small, lesser, lesser-tiered <laughs> players. Um, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> so my props, uh, probably the two most impressive scrummaging packs uh, in the tournament, I've gone for Masataka Mikami, the Japanese loose head, and yeah. David Zirakashvili, the Claremont tight head, with Hooker from... I, I considered having another Japanese player, Shota, Shota Hori, who plays for the Rebels, who has been excellent. Mm. Um, but I've gone for Torsten van Jarsveld, who has uh, the distinction of having made the most tackles in the tournament so far. Really? Yes. That's mid- a great fact. Uh, particularly from a hooker as well. Yeah. Very impressive. And <laughs> a hooker in the same team as Jacques Berger. Who was the prop who was playing his last game for Namibia? 50th cap as well in the game against Argentina. And they let him have the conversion yes. at the very end. That <laughs> was a nice moment. That was that was a very nice mo- moment. No, no, no Romanians. You can't pick them all, can you? Yeah. Romanians scrum was very impressive as well. Um had it been four years ago, I would have had Marius Tinku, the yeah. uh, Romanian hooker, but uh, uh, not this time. Into the row, then. I've gone for Leona Nakarawa, 
Well, so, Fiji is tier two because they were actually ninth ranked ninth in the tournament. Uh, no. Uh, so my definition of tier two, uh, and this may or may not be correct, is the top. The tier one is the ten teams who compete in the Six Nations and the Rugby Championship. That's Ev- fair enough. Everyone below that is so tier there's, two. So there's ten other teams. Fine. Yeah. Cool. So Nakarawa uh, and I've gone for Cuddles. Jamie Cudmore. Oh, Obviously, he, I've gone for Jamie Cudmore. He did put in a big shift a couple of times, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, back row. There's some serious, serious competition in the back row. Honourable mentions uh, to, <laughs> to to my favourite uh, favourite named number sevens, Jack Lamb and Jack Ram. Jack Ram and Jack Lamb, yeah. Of uh, Samoa and Bristol and uh, Tonga and the Auckland Blues, respectively. Yeah. Also, by the way, Auckland Blues, um, for lots of people saying that England don't have an out-and-out seven, we maybe do in the shape of former Auckland Blue, well, now Leicester Tiger, Brendan O'Connor, which we've been had people talking up um, on our, t- tweeting to us this week, saying that um, he, he's got an English grandparent and could be an English, quali- well, is an English qualified player with ambitions to play for England. Yes, Uh I think it's a little bit early to say. Obviously, he is qualified, so purely from an administrative point of view, he can play uh, when he lands in Leicester. I think it's a bit too early. I mean, he's he's 25. He's had a handful of uh, super rugby caps, but never really cemented uh, a position and certainly never been pushing uh, the All Blacks. So our, he's, he's a bit off yet. Our Premiership Preview podcast will be coming later this week, so subscribe on iTunes and you'll get that one as well. Pro 12 as well, obviously. Uh, so the rest of you back row. My back row, I've gone for I've gone for a massive back row, ball-carrying back row. Oh, JB will love that. Yes, JB will be very happy with this. I've gone for Michael Leach, uh, Japan number six and nice. captain, yep. uh, as my blind side. I've gone for Mamuka Gorgodza, who has been one of the players of the tournament oh, so far. So good. Scoring tries, making big hits, man of the match against New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, and not many players playing against New Zealand get man of the match. Uh, and then my number eight, I've gone for Samu Manoa. He's, a, it. He's shown up big again. Yes. Uh, he, USA have struggled a little bit in a couple of their games, but he just consistently gets over the game line. Uh, dominant force. So, um, Toulon, all you need to do is sign Michael Leach and, <laughs> and you've got Phil's um, tier two back row. Yes. Uh, number nine. Yeah. It's a shame he got injured because he was so good in the first couple of games. Nico Matawalu. Number 10. I've also gone for Fiji. I've gone for Ben Volavola. He's been a real find. I mean, well, no, we knew about him a little bit beforehand, but I, I didn't. I thought he'd be more unpredictable um, and more erratic. And he's actually shown a really. Yeah. Great. Really elusive when he's on the run and in broken field play, which is what you want to see from a Fijian back. But um, he did the business. Yeah. Yeah, he's got an, and um, notable mentions to the the other two Pacific Islanders fly halves, uh, two C P C and uh, Kurt Marath, who have both kicked and controlled very well. Yeah, in the centres, honourable mention to Johan Daisel, Namibian uh, Namibian twelve, who mm-hmm. scored against New Zealand. Um, but I've gone for Threaten Palamo, the USA uh, twelve, who's at Saracen or. He's, I think he's contracted at Saracens, but loaned out to London Welsh currently. Um, but and there's something else like the Romanian winger, Ferku. Is he still at Ferku's Saracens? Ferku's at Saracens, yeah. yeah. He, he played in the, most of the uh, LV Cup games. At, Good at, on you, Saracens, for championing these uh, yeah. tier, two, tier two nation players. Like it. Freeing up more of your salary cap. Yeah. <laughs> more, of the imag- <laughs> more of the imaginary salary cap <laughs> that you uh, do or do not adhere to. And alongside him, I've gone for 
Kieran Hearn of Canada. Yes. Who has the distinction of having the most carries over the game line in the whole competition so far. Oh, what a great fact. Which is a hell of a hell of a fact. And, that, and that's a fact just backed up by your own eyes, just the feel for it. Oh, he, yes. He's cut some amazing lines, <laughs> outside breaks. Yeah, he's, he's, he's looked really good. He's looked really good. My two wingers... Uh, I've gone for DTH van der Merwe, another Canadian. Yeah. Who, four tries in four games. Um, absolutely super. I think he's made the most metres in the tournament as well as DTH van der Merwe. Uh, and uh, Toulouse Vianu of, uh, of Tonga, who's been very good as well. I'm really enjoying your pronunciation. <laughs> Better than JB. Yeah. Not as good as uh, Nick Mullins. No, no. Who N- is? Not Who a, is? Not even close. And then at 15, honourable mention to uh, Kathleen Furku of Saracens mm-hmm. and Tim Nanai-Williams, uh, who's been very good. Yeah, he has. But it couldn't have been anyone other than Ayumu Goromaru, the Hero. Now, now legendary uh, Japanese fullback who today surpassed 700 international points uh, in the game against USA. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, apparently, would like to play in England. So... I'd love to see that happen. Really? I think, yeah. I think there's a few, there's quite a few premiership clubs who could do with a player of his calibre. The the vine that you tweeted of, I'm just, I'm just having a look on our Twitter account, and the vine that you tweeted of Sean O'Brien punching Pascal Pape has just been retweeted by Benjamin Kayser, which is what Nick Mullins calls him. Of course, Eddie Butler would call him Benjamin Kayser. <laughs> Um I keep I keep shouting Scott Spading, 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 and uh, Noah Nakatasi. Yeah, Nakat. Yeah, and uh, and what's the? Yeah, there's Benjamin Benjamin Kizel, um, Rory, oh, no, and, and when he was when he was part of the team, Deddy Doma <laughs> was the other one. I am Johnny King on King on Twitter said genuine genuine because we haven't seen the end of the Japan uh, USA game, but he said genuinely moving as Ayuma Goromaru, who you just mentioned as your fullback at the tournament um, for the Tier 2 Nations, receives his second Man of the Match award at the Rugby World Cup, USA versus Japan, and he's got tears in his eyes um, oh. as he receives his another Man of the Match award. Japan are the first nation ever to get three victories in the pool stages and not progress to the quarterfinals. More victories than England. Question. So that's that's ten. That's ten teams that we've picked those players from. Mm-hmm. There are two teams who didn't make it through to the quarterfinals of the the other available teams, and that's England and Italy. Based on the performances in the tournament, how many players from England and Italy would get into that uh, Tier 2 nation side? That's a great question. Anthony Watson, probably. I'd say Watson would do. I I think Van der Moers has been superb, but Watson is a cut above. Yeah, but I'm I'm trying to only judge it on what we've seen. Just on the performances, yeah. Anthony Watson and possibly Owen Farrell at yeah, 10. I think a 10. Owen Farrell, George Ford hard done by, looked good when he's come on. But yeah, you could probably slot one of those two in. I'd say none of the England pack would make it in ahead of the, ahead of that uh, yeah. tier two nation pack. Isn't that unbelievable? Not a single one. Not a single England forward. Like Again, this is another feature of this World Cup. When When you look at it, England's... It's England's backs we're getting excited about, and England's yeah. forwards have just gone backwards. Yeah. What Dan Cole, Joe Marler, what what happened to them? Yeah. And we were talking about them as genuinely world class about a year ago. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I do still stand by Marla. Uh, I do really rate him. But there's, if you're an individual element in a pack that is going backwards, it's very difficult for you mm. to, to look good, particularly when you are at the call face. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd suggest, and I, normally you'd put Parise in there, but he's been injured for most of the tournament. Yeah. Um, he had one superb per- performance, but I don't think he'd get in in that Tier 2 Nation team. Isn't that amazing? We are going to be um, doing our full preview of the quarterfinals, um, so we're not going to dwell too much on that. We'll, 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 we'll let the week play out, see what injuries are uh, looking likely, wait for the teams to be announced, and then we'll do a full preview of the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals in due course, as well as the Premiership and Pro 12. Uh, Premiership. Uh, is the Pro 12, is this week one, or have they been no. going? No, they've been going all along. Yeah, uh, they've had... At least three fixtures, I think, so far, maybe four. I'd love to know what the attendances are for that. <laughs> but one other feature of, of the game, and, and I thought this was another brilliant tweet we've, we've received and proving once again we do have really intelligent, interesting, well-informed listeners. So thank you very much for listening. Um, but lots of people questioning the ending a half or ending a game after a ball has been held up over the try line. Yes. Now, what, what? which game was it this happened in? Was this New Zealand-Tonga? It was New Zealand-Tonga, and Tonga had a huge amount of pressure. In the in New Zealand's 22, Kieran Reid was sent to the bin for that's, that's right. collapsing a mall, which could have been a penalty try. There was then several scrums that could have been penalty tries. They were then held up over the line in what was the 42nd minute, and the game stopped immediately. They'd, they'd, take, they'd had a penalty from a scrum, and they'd taken a, another scrum almost in front of their sticks. Yeah. Um, but it that rule then incentivizes you to go for the sticks. It, it, it decentivizes attacking rugby. Um, so it's it seems like a very, very easy law change. Sorry, it's a law, not a rule, for people who will be uh, get correcting me on that. It's a law. Um, yeah, it's very easy law change to make that would incentivize attacking rugby, make the game f- flow better and give you just better ends to games rather than the anti-climax that happened. I know, because Tonga were banging on the door all that time. It felt like a slight injustice. It did. And it's, it's so easy to change. So, yeah, we should. Yeah. We should. Yes, very easy. I know they're looking at law. World Rugby are looking at law changes at the moment, and that should be... It's not even one to consider. Just change the law. <laughs> just do it now. The other thing which is quite interesting, and again, this is probably World Rugby's fault for the way that they drew the pools two and a half years ago. But we know that the top three in each pool will automatically qualify for the 2019 World Cup in Japan. So England, we scraped into the world the 2019 <laughs> World Cup. Fiji, that means, will have to qualify. Samoa will also have to qualify because Japan did so well in Pool B. Yes. And Tonga also finished fourth in their pool. Now, I believe I'm right in saying, Phil, that because of that, and the qualification set up for the Rugby World Cup 2019, you've got the 12 teams that have already qualified from finishing in the top three in Pool A, B, C and D. And only one of Fiji, Tonga or Samoa will be in Japan as it stands. So if, and it is an if, um, Driving Mall, at Driving Mall uh, on Twitter, they've written a very good article explaining the, the current situation and the qualification for the process for the past two tournaments. And if it stays the same as the past two tournaments, then only one of them will qualify. It would just be one qualifying spot from Oceania. They could easily change that by 
So the way it goes, you've got those 12 teams. You then have seven qualification place places from the different regions. And then you have one uh, repechage. Repechage? Repechage. Um, the hosts. Space. The hosts automatically qualify, though, don't they? Um, you would think. Well, the hosts in the past have always been in, within the top uh, top 12. And Japan are. And Japan time. are. So it's never come up before. Okay. And it doesn't come up now. So that they don't need to change that. Um. So if it was the same as last time, there was there was no place in Oceania for Oceania in the repechage. They could very easily change that to have one or even two teams represented in the repechage, but then only one of them can possibly qualify from that. So even with fairly simple uh, law change for the process, they would still one of them, one of the three Pacific Island teams, would miss out as things stand. But if I mean, you're you're saying if they change the the laws, but if they change the rules on how teams get to the World Cup, then if you were someone like Russia, who just missed out, or one of the teams that still need to qualify again, like Romania, then you'd be a bit cheesed off that they seem to be stacking the cards in favour of the teams that have always gone to Rugby World Cups. In these, in this case, Samoa, Tonga, Fiji. Yes. Now, what I will say is that based on the previous two systems, um, Japan have had to qualify. There's one Asia spot for qualification and Japan have had to use the qualification process to get it. Now, because they're automatically qualified, it would go to the second ranked Asian team, which would be Hong Kong, which there right. is a huge fall off. So what I would propose doing would would be to split Oceania. So have New Zealand, Australia as separate because they are pretty much always going to qualify and then you group Asia, Asia and Oceania as a single entity and have it as like a Pacific group. They kind of do that with football, don't they? Yeah, you have the Asia and Oceania all grouped as one. So Tonga, Samoa, Fiji and um, Asia, so all of Hong those. Hong Kong. Hong Kong, China, If Thailand, China ever... Like team, teams that would, try, does China play rugby, take it seriously? They've got a team, They've got they? a team, but they don't take it seriously. No. Uh, they'd be kind of maybe top 50 ranked in, in world yeah. rugby rankings. Um, so to group all of them and then they can split the available qualification places and that could very simply change it. You might, uh, as Hong Kong, be a bit annoyed that this automatic qualification process, because of the improvements Japan made, is getting taken away from them. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because it, w- it would be a shame. It would certainly be a shame if only one of them qualified. Um, but it's it's in World Rugby's hands. I mean, I guess the other alternative is either create an extra pool. Um, so th- there has been another development in the rugby dungeon, uh, which I just want to share with you. Are, have you been busy in the rugby dungeon, Phil? Uh, <laughs> I haven't, Tim. Um, right, so last time I-, I told you about the fact that there is a, a camera on a tripod uh, <laughs> in the rugby dungeon, which JB's put there. I don't know what he's thinking about there. Do you think he's thinking we're going to film this and put it put a video version of the podcast up somewhere? I'm just worried he's actually watching us now. Yeah. There's also, I hadn't noticed it before, but there's a mirror. There's a full um, full length mirror. There's, there's a full length mirror and a camera <laughs> on a tripod. <laughs> and I've just noticed the sofa is a wipe clean leather sofa. <laughs> I think this is a set. It's a set? <laughs> a set for some sort of activities. <laughs> um, there's a desk, there's a sofa, there's a video camera. What kind of set <laughs> what kind of set could this possibly be, Tim? No comment. <laughs> Uh, but I think I want to get out of here before someone comes out in a gimp mask um, <laughs> from our rugby dungeon. Uh, right, like I say, um, let's see how this, the injury situation goes on with 
the Welsh, the Irish um, and any other players and wait for the team selections and then we'll have a full preview of the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals in what has already been the best Rugby World Cup ever and of course the Aviva Premiership returns and there's so much to talk about there and we'll be doing that all in our next podcast later this week so at Rugby Podcast on Twitter get in touch subscribe on iTunes listen on Acast and we'll see you next time Phil Cheers Tim JB will be back next time as well Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And he'll be about two stone heavier after all that pasta and red wine. Amen. Uh, in a bit. <laughs> 